0: The Yak Legion Podcast and the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Podcast are sponsored by the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail. You can reach them at BuckeyeKayakFishingTrail.com. Strictly Sail in Blue Ash, Ohio. Reach out to Brian for all your Hobie needs at 513-984-1907. And American Tackle Company. You can find them at americantackle.us. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Yak Legion Podcast.
1: Too late. Are you there?
0: Yes, sir. How's it going, man? Hey, man. All pretty good. Uh, We had some technical difficulties on this, everybody, but I got Jody Queen tonight on. He is the Hobie Bass Open champion. He just won down there at Washita, Arkansas, man. Good job on that, dude! I see your big uh, twenty thousand dollar check in the background, buddy. First place win. How you feel, man?
1: Oh man, it's, it's amazing. It was it was a great feeling to to be a part of that anyway. And just uh, I tell you, man, the money's great, but you know, being able to represent my country next year, man, and in, in, in the Hobie worlds, that's a big deal for me. You know, I, I love it. I mean, it's it's a it's an honor.
0: That's amazing. Do you know where they're going next year, or have they decided
1: I yet? I think they're supposed to make the announcement in December.
0: Yeah. Wow, man. So you could go anywhere. I know they went to Australia last
1: year. They did. They did, and they've been to Sweden and China. Wow. And yeah, crazy, ain't
0: it? You might end up going to Japan or something, man. That'd be awesome.
1: I know. Well, I mean, I heard they was they was throwing around Japan, but I I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Wow, man. So I see uh,
0: anybody that's listening that can't see the video right now. He's got, I mean, Jody's got a big shelf behind him. He's got a big uh, bass. He's got all these KBF um, coins and really impressive setup, man. Um, (laughs) So getting right into it, man. Um, How did you first start kayak fishing? Let's start at the beginning, man. What got you into kayak fishing?
1: Man, I I was a weight fisherman for years. And, uh, you know, I just we would cover two three miles upstream every trip you know we go out and, and me and my buddy arnold antonowitz man we just i mean it was crazy uh, the the miles we would cover just weight fishing and we fished the new river in virginia which was it made it's pretty rough and uh they they kind of started out i'd seen where they were coming out with uh, some fishing kayaks and i thought well that's different this was about i don't know six years ago i seen one and i got it and it was uh It was a pretty cheap-made kayak, but it let me know, man, this is where I want to be because I can cover a lot of ground. So uh, the next, uh, I guess about three years later, I think Jackson came out with the Coosa there in uh, 2011, or 2010. And, uh, you know, I seen Drew Gregory do that big jump and twist and turn around, and I was sold right there, man. I'm glad (laughs) I had to have that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I went and bought me a Coosa and my buddy, Brian Ayliff, man, he bought him one and, uh, we hit the water and, uh, it was before, uh, I'd even heard about KBF or anything, uh, any competition style, uh, kayak fishing. And, uh, a couple years after we got our Coosa, I was, I was down in Florida and my buddy Brian called me and he said, Hey man, uh, they're going to have a national championship, uh, at uh, paris tennessee would you be interested in fishing and he said you have to qualify through the uh, an open series that they have the day before and i said Psh. i said i'll try hell yeah it sounds great man let's do it you know and and so uh that was the beginning of it and uh, i keep telling my my buddy brian i said man you just you've created a monster you know i just <laughs> never looked back from there man it was it was like every tournament that came up you know every local tournament and i still enjoy getting out and fishing some of the partner club local tournaments and i, I belong to uh a couple of local clubs here the west virginia kayak anglers and they're just they're just a great group of people man I, I love my local guys man and i grew up to cut my teeth on the river and the and the lake stuff is all new to me but uh i'm learning it pretty good now i'm starting starting to learn some things and you never stop learning but uh yeah i, I just i started there i mean every tournament that came up i qualified for the 10 the very first year that i started kayak uh, fishing and uh and I was paddling then too. I didn't have a motor, didn't have uh, you know pedals or anything. I, I qualified in that little Jackson Kusa, yeah. which was pretty cool. So I went to the ten, and then uh, the next year I qualified for I qualified for the ten three times. But uh, the last two times I've had motors on my, I've had the torpedo one, which oh, made nice. my life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting too old to be paddling that plastic around like that, man. It's yeah. great. Yeah.
0: I hear that, man.
1: Those torquitos
0: are expensive, man, but they're awesome. They are,
1: they are. You know, if you're if if you're in a competitive, I do this for a living, man. This is all I do. Wow. So I need to be able to have the best tools that are available to me in order for me to pay my bills. So they they're expensive to someone who isn't fishing the trails, or they're not, you know. Looking for at this as a, a chunk of supplemental income. If they're just out doing it for fun, it can it can be ex- expensive. But to somebody like me, who or or like say Cody Milton or Eric Siddiqui or Jason Broach or whoever, those guys who if, who fish like that, it's it's another tool in their box, and and so it it kind of pays for itself because it, it gets you to the spots. I mean, it it it'll totally change the way I fished. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah, you know, this definitely beats paddling, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man.
0: I nothing beats paddling,
1: dude, man. I mean, there's a lot of guys who just they just love to paddle and 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 they do quite well in these tournaments. But for me, you know, traveling across the country and and fishing all the places I do, it it would probably kill me in about a year. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear that, man. Uh, I know West Virginia is a beautiful state. It's got to be nice to fish that state. Oh
1: oh man it's just gorgeous down here i'm about 25 minutes from the new river and it's just yeah it's it's just an amazing amazing fishery and i've been fishing the new river for about about 40 years now so i know it fairly well and uh but anytime a tournament comes there i just i love it because that's my backyard man and I, i just love it down there
0: what local trails are in west virginia that you fish
1: well, you we got uh, you got Mountain State Kayak Anglers, which uh, at one time, at one point, we were the uh, we had the largest turnout of any club in the United States. Uh, we we were averaging about 148 uh, entries per tournament in uh, a couple of years ago, and then it dropped off a little bit. But we're, there's still we still get 80 and 90 90 per. Uh, there's That's a couple. Good uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Southwest Virginia. Uh, uh kayak anglers is another uh jason plumley down here in in southern west virginia he runs it it's a it's a nice club uh west virginia kayak anglers which is john rapp it's another club and we i mean we got plenty of clubs here for guys to get out and fish if they want to uh and they're and they're all great guys man i i I love them all They're, they're just real good dudes man
0: Oh, the kayaking, kayaking community is great. I'm on the committee for the uh, Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail here in Ohio. Nice. And nice. Uh, we're the largest trail in Ohio currently. And, uh, man, I love the brotherhood of, of kayak fishing. Oh, we talk man. about that all the time on the podcast.
1: Don't, don't you love the 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 check-in day or, or the, when you come in and everybody's all gathered around and, and you, and you're, and everybody's sitting there talking, man. And it's just, I don't know, man, I just love that part of it, you know, and then everybody goes out and does their thing and they come back to, to, to see how they did. And I, just that, that closeness of all the anglers is just, it's an amazing thing, man, to to experience. I really, I love it. I love well, it. Definitely. I love
0: camping and I like to trips that we do. And where everybody camps, we're all at the same campground and we're all, you know, sit back drinking a few beers the night before the tournament. And man, that's so much fun. And people are so willing to help you, even though we're all competing against each other, man, we all want to see each other do good. And uh, we all want to see people succeed. And so people that you're competing against, they'll give you tips on how to catch fish. You know, that's
1: awesome trails are. That's, that's a great point you just made right there. Uh, I, you know, uh, I had a fellow competitor uh, fishing the same area on Lake Washita where I was fishing the, the Hobie uh, tournament there. And I shared baits with them and, and told them what I was doing and everything, you know. And it just, you know, when you do something like that, there's still no guarantee that that person is going to catch fish, you yeah. know, because for whatever reason, uh, I couldn't I couldn't convey exactly what it was I was doing with that particular bait and uh i really felt bad about it because i wanted them to catch fish but they didn't do they went back to using what they were using because they just didn't have a confidence in it mm-hmm. so you know confidence is everything when you're throwing throwing a, a bait and if you have confidence in that bait nine times out of ten you're going to figure out something you know
0: oh 100 percent, man uh, yeah. so how many kbf wins you have uh you have a lot of coins back here, so know you got a few <laughs>
1: yeah, uh some of those are the ten uh, I don't have coins for all of them i don't think uh i've 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 done a lot of uh like the the online counting on i don't know maybe twenty thirty something like
0: that. Wow, man, so you're a professional kayak
1: fisherman, right <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't awesome.
1: know, man. You know, I think I think if, uh, you know, that's a, that's a loosely used term right now in the in – as young as this sport is. But if it's your sole income, you know, your personal so, – solely what you rely on, yeah, I think you're a professional. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're if
0: making it, your living off of it, definitely you're a
1: professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean – I guess anybody could say they was a professional kayak angler if they were just out, even just fishing the trails. I mean, it's it's just up to you, I guess, what you want to call yourself. But
0: uh, yeah, I like the way you described it. If you're
1: actually living off the money that you're winning
0: from yeah. tournaments, you're a professional kayak fisherman. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 But I know guys, man, that you know they still keep their jobs, but they still do it professionally because they're doing it. They're doing thirty tournaments a year. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, and still working their jobs, and but they're they're using that money as a supplemental income. So you, you know, you got to kind of give them some leeway too. Oh, definitely. You no, know? but I mean, somebody that just goes out and fishes a tournament here in a month and skips a month and fishes yeah. another one, or or fishes them all close to their house and doesn't travel none, you know. It's yeah. like kind of like hunting huntin the drag, you always, you know, hunt, hunting close to the road so you can drag your deer down to the truck when you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes it ain't kind of, the best
0: hunting, man. You know, you got to get out there, you got to <laughs> go a little farther, man. Same thing with kayak fishing, man. You got to put the miles on the road
1: you do man and,
0: and i started that this year uh i went down to Gunnersville and fished the hobie bass open and that's the farthest I've ever, I've ever driven for a kayak tournament right and now this next year coming up man i'm planning i'm going to try to go to georgia north carolina man kentucky lake you, man? i'm going to go all over man because i got the travel bug man I, that Gunnersville trip and awesome. i was real impressed with the hobie bass open man it, it oh, feels yeah. so legit Cause oh. like when you go in for the Friday meeting, I mean, they feed you and yeah. they have banners outside the building and you're walking into the building and you see all the Hobie Bass open series banners and man, you just feel legit. That's
1: it. And, and that's what they do. They, they do this for the angler, you know? I mean, it's like doing this, this last tournament up here. I mean, it, it was all about, it's all about you. When you walk in that door, it's all about you. And and it, it just feels good. That recognition. and, uh they give you plenty of time to get back you know to your check-ins there's there it's just an easy tournament to do you know definitely so, so yeah their focus on the angler is uh, i think is one of the biggest uh things that i like about about the the BOS series
0: oh definitely aj and the crew man they really do a good job yeah they're really impressed with what they do.
1: they do um
0: so also how many hobie bass open events have you done
1: I just started the, the BOS this year when I first learned about it, uh, the, uh, I fished the one in Gunnersville, and then I fished, uh, I qualified for the tournament of champions. They had a satellite tournament on the new river, yeah. which was right up my alley. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I'll admit that I felt like I had an advantage when I went there cause I, that, that river is, that's what I cut my teeth on. So I did win that tournament and it qualified me for the tournament of champions and uh, I did the shootout the day before when they gave away four more spots to the qualifiers uh, to qualify for the TOC, and then of course. So I guess I've done one, two, three, four,
0: four of them. Nice, nice. So yeah. I know Arkansas is kind of a long trip there from West Virginia. Did you stay at a hotel oh, or God. did you
1: camp? I dude, I, I it's a fourteen-hour drive, and uh, I wow. stayed at uh, the. Uh, Mountain Harbor uh, Resort Spa, okay. uh, but they have a they have a motel out on the road. That's where I stayed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I just I can't get up in that spa area. They they won't let me up there. But uh, 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 yeah, the the motel rooms were really nice though. They were, I mean, it's just a lo- I think that motel has been there since the 50s, and they just kind of refurbished it, and it was nice and clean. And and man, they just they treated you real good. I, it's the only place I ever stayed. Where management called me and asked me if I was okay and if I needed anything, uh, you know, yeah. And it's a, like a little motel right beside the road, but it was, it was good because it was strategically placed. It was real close to where I wanted to fish. Wow. So I didn't have long. I'd come out of the motel room, get in the van, in a couple miles, I was right on the fishing hole. So it, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So going into this tournament, man, like the
0: week before, you you, you, you travel up there. What were yep. what was your mindset?
1: And, uh, what did you do
0: for, for preparation for this tournament?
1: Well, man, I, I was lucky enough to uh, qualify for the FLW, uh, early back in July. Wow. Uh, I fished, I fished the Nickajack, Nickajack FLW and I qualified for the, uh, the cup on Nickajack Lake. So I was fortunate enough that, that, that they put it on that lake because I kind of learned a little bit about the lake on that tournament. And, uh, uh. And i didn't even know then that i would be coming back to the to the hobie series there and then so i kind of used a little bit of that knowledge of the lake and uh i uh went back and watched a lot of the mlfs where uh uh mark rose and all that bunch was fishing on washita there was a few few of those videos there and i watched all that and i brushed up on my some electronics uh, skills and uh, and then when i got there i kind of had a a layout of what was in the lake you know the type of cover that it that it actually had i know it's full of brush piles uh and i thought well i'm just gonna fish these brush piles because i figured it was kind of the time of the year is kind of cool they're probably moving into those brush piles and i i tell you man the best laid plans can go awry because that that wasn't what i ended up doing i mean you can plan for these things and 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 go in them with even confidence that you're going to catch fish but when you get there that's when the real planning starts, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, um, what was your basic strategy, though? What were you throwing? If you don't mind just telling us.
1: Well, I, I don't mind at all, no. Uh, well, I started out, uh, I found some brush piles in about 20 foot of water, and I was marking fish on them. And uh, I knew, you know, the fish. some of the fish were holding on them, and they were largemouth. There's a lot of spots in that lake. And i didn't really want to get tangled up catching spots because they were a lot smaller and stuff and i, I was figuring that it was going to take a, a lot of inches to win the tournament because there's some great sticks there and there were some sticks you know there that that uh, fished the lake before so i started on the brush piles and i didn't do too good on them and then we had this rain on uh the day before the shootout it dropped like three inches of rain the lake came up five inches and the next day i wasn't doing that good. I caught a couple off of brush piles and I went straight to the back of a Creek. And I mean, some of the water back in there was like 18 inches deep. And I I caught a 15 and an 18 back in there. And I knew that they were laying on these just little sticks and, and little small brush pile stumps. And they were in that shallow water. and, And I don't know, man, I just, I pulled up Google maps and I knew that I needed a bigger area. So, uh, During that tournament, the shootout, I just packed up everything and went to this next area up where uh, it was just a bigger area of the same kind of stuff, you know, in in the small area that I left. Yeah. Once I got there, man, uh, I I threw a spinnerbait for a little while and didn't get much on it. Uh, Caught one fish off of it. And I know the water was a little bit dingy, so I just tied on a a jackhammer, man. Nice. I tied on a three-eighths jackhammer, a, a, a green pumpkin, and I had the uh, the name of the color is a razor shad by Z-Man. It's called the, the deal. It, it's a green pumpkin-colored razor shad with a little bit of blue, blue and silver fleck in the in the belly of it. And I threw that for two days. I mean, I just wow. I had a large. So you had confidence in it, sounds like. Yes, yeah, I mean, the jackhammer, dude, it's, it's the same bait I, I just got through throwing at uh, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I, I come in sec, uh, third, fourth, and fifth up there. So uh, I had confidence in it, and I, I won another t- tournament earlier this year with the jackhammer. So I've got great confidence in that bait. But I had to slow it down a lot to get the fish to bite. I was fishing a flat uh, in the middle of two big creek channels, and uh, the creek channels were about 10 foot deep, and the flat was between four and six foot, most of it, but it had a lot of little brush piles and stumps and lay downs on it, and uh, I just, I had maybe 70 waypoints set. I just run my side scan, and i just marking everything. Everything I could see, I just drop a pin on it, and then I just turned around and started fishing, and I just did this. You know, I just run a circuit you know for two days up there and i just i let that uh, I, I was doing it so slow i was working that j- uh, jackhammer so slow it was just bumping the bottom all the time and uh, they were picking it up anytime i hit a little stick or a rock or a stump or or a little piece of brush i got a hit and uh, you know day one i caught some nice fish in there and aj that night he, at the uh, at the ceremony at the check-in he asked me he said do you think those fish will be there tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. And they and they were because I knew those fish were coming out of those creek channels and coming up on that flat, and they would forage. And if that once they got their bellies full, they'd just go back in the creek channel. And I knew that because I found the fish in the creek channels, and I fished on those fish, and they, I couldn't get them to hit. But every time I moved up on that flat, those were the active fish. So they were just feeding going back to the creek channels when they get hungry they come back out to that to that flat and they yeah. get on a structure or a piece of uh cover and they were ready to feed so i just had to keep going around and around and around and around and uh, every time i catch i catch one fish off of it wouldn't catch nothing else and i move on to the next piece and every time i could come back to that that area where i was ca- i'd catch another one so wow. they, it was just it was just reloading yeah you know? I catch maybe a fish every 50 or 60 yards on, on a piece of of cover. And then when I do the whole circuit, I come back around, I catch another one off the same stuff. So I did that for two days and it was, you know, it's kind of boring, but it worked. (laughs) Hey, you catching fish, man. What was your biggest catch? Uh, that's the thing, man. They were all just a good average size fish. I mean, each day I caught one, I caught an, uh, 18 and a half one day and an 18 and a quarter one day. And, uh, I, I think my biggest over over those three days were was a 19 incher, but they were all, you know, 15, 16, 17. Yeah. You know, they, I, a lot of the guys were catching the 12s, 13s, and 14s, and I just had a better average where I was at there. Just, you know, I was very very lucky to have that that big average because that's what that's what did it, is the average size.
0: Have you ever fished that lake before the tournament?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, I did the FLW there. Earlier yeah. in July, and but that was the only other time that I've been there, and I, I fished a totally different area uh, than I did last time I was there. So I've been there twice.
0: Pre- How many days of pre-fishing did you get in before the? Uh, I got two of-
1: days. I got two days of pre-fishing in, uh, uh, but I kind of actually used the the shootout tournament. I kind of actually used it for kind of pre-fishing. So I actually got maybe closer to three in. I didn't really because I actually pulled up stakes and moved to a totally different part of the lake during that tournament just because i wanted to try to find a a different area so i could fish the next two days you know oh yeah i needed an area that was going to hold me for two days and where i was fishing the shootout that area wouldn't hold me it was such a small area that i knew that if i got in there and hammered it one day there wouldn't be no fish there the next day oh yeah to a much bigger area it was about 300 yards long and about 100 yards wide and had two creek channels and a big flat in it and i knew that that if the fish were there there was going to be enough to hold me for two days
0: yeah that's the thing man when you're out there pre-fishing and you find the fish catch you one catch you two get out of there man that's go it back go back on tournament day don't wear them fish out before tournament day that's a big that's that's important right, tip man.
1: you got that right yep so yeah,
0: what was the temperatures like
1: up there? Man, it was it was up and down. I mean, up and down. Uh, uh, the the first day I got there it was fairly nice. You know, uh, on Tuesday it was in the fifties, and then uh, Wednesday it was it was again in the fifties, and then we we got the that torrential rain and a big cold front moved through. Friday the high was like I think it was forty eight. The night times was getting down in the in the mid upper twenties and uh but we just had that one cold day on friday and then saturday it got back up to you know 58 degrees yeah. but the mornings were both the mornings on that tournament were 28 degrees That's cold now. night yeah. yeah it's pretty cool but the, the thing about it though zach was uh you know the creek channels when i run over in those creek channels and they were flowing a little bit they had some current in them from that previous rain yeah i was getting i was getting a temperature reading at right around 49 degrees out of that water there, but as soon as I moved up on that flat, I was getting 57, 58 degrees. There was that much difference. Now I guess those bass were just—they were—they didn't want nothing to do with the cold water, and they were just laying right on that edge of that creek channel. Yeah, they just stayed to that warm water. So I had—I had a captive audience. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're just—they like they, wasn't you, get, man. they don't like, want like us. They
0: don't wanna get that cold water, man. <laughs> I don't either, yeah. man. <laughs> I, want I don't either. Water. I don't blame them. Oh yeah, definitely, man. So uh, we'll take a quick commercial break here, and we'll be right back. And here is a word from our sponsors, Venom Lures in Lancaster, Ohio. They're known for their great soft plastics and terminal tackle. They've been providing quality products from right here in Ohio since 1984. Mr. Dustin Carnes is the new owner and inventor of the DK rig. It's a weedless version of the Ned rig that's taken the fishing world by storm. You can check them out at VenomLures.com. Our next one is Strictly sale. It's located on Kenwood Road in Blue Ash, Ohio. They sell Hobie, New Canoe, Feel Freeze, Three Waters, uh, Johnny Boats, and they've been providing high quality service to fishermen and watercraft enthusiasts since 1978. Reach out to Brian Tacey at 513-984-1907. Or you can check them out at strictlysailinc.com. We have American Tackle Baby, the inventors of the microwave line guide system. Great company, run by a great guy, Austin Todd. Definitely, Definitely check them out. Their fishing rods are far superior. And then lastly, Fishing Real Fishing Company. They help make the logo of the Yak Legion. Great company. Check them out at realfishingco.com. All right, we're back here with Jody Queen, the BOS, Hover BOS champion. Yes, sir. <laughs> So we were talking about uh the weather conditions the fishing conditions um now what kind of fish finder do you run and do you use Navionics? do you research these lakes before you fish them you know
1: uh i do quite some uh i run an elite 7ti right now but i mean i recommend the 9ti just because the screen's got a little better uh i like a little bit bigger screen But the 70i, it suits my purposes just fine. And uh, I don't use Navionics that much on my fish finder. I'll pull it up on my phone Mm -hmm. and I'll find a few areas after I'm already in the water. Uh, But other than that, most of it is Google Earth. Oh, yeah, Google it. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, you can, find, you can find the deep channels. You can find the banks. You can find, I mean, a lot of times the water's clear. You can see humps that you can't see, you yeah. know, unless you're looking down on it. So, yeah, you can find humps and stumps and rocks and stuff from up above, man. It's, it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I use that, and most of the time uh, when I'm running my unit, I'll, I'll throw the side scan on. I'm on side scan 90% of the time, dude, because I'm running through and I'm just marking stuff. You know, I'll mark stuff and and I'll set my my waypoints when I mark them. And then what I'll do is I'll go over to my chart. I'll do a split screen. I'll do my chart and I'll do a down scan or I'll do a a sonar, either one. And on my charts, it's got all those waypoints that I just set. So you know i got my boat positioning on there and i'll just hit hit each one of those those waypoints oh wow that's awesome man um, now, another way you can use that zach is i was talking about the creek channels early you can you can hit the edge of a creek channel and just every and just follow it you know you can see on your depth finder whether you're going up or down try to try to stay in say six foot of water and uh you set a waypoint, stay on that edge, and if you find a place where it cuts in, set another waypoint, and just go down that channel. Or a grass line is the same way. Get on the edge of a grass line and just mark a bunch of waypoints down through there to keep you, you know, on that grass line. Yeah. And just go back and fish that grass line. You'll never get off of it as long as you stay on them waypoints. You'll you'll stay right on that grass line. Now, do you use a GPS chip with your fish finder? Yes. Okay. oh the, no the chip no 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 i know no no, no, no okay. it's just a straight up fish finder and you know it's got you know just the normal features it's got down scan side scan uh nice that's a Humminbird, right no it's a lawrence elite oh. elite 7 ti gotcha mm-hmm.
0: nice man so you've run lawrence for a few years you probably know him pretty well
1: uh, actually, you know, uh, I've learned more about my electronics this year than, than I have in the previous years. I've owned one. Uh, like I say, I'm a river fisherman and I got my first fish finder, actually my first decent fish finder. I got it last year. <laughs> oh, wow. So I go online a lot, get on YouTube. Uh, they got, they have a lot of tutorials on, on, uh, Lowrance fish fi- fish finders, excuse me. And you can pick up a lot from that. Uh, your fellow anglers, the guys that you know have strong electronic skills. Uh, Christine Fisher has showed me some stuff. Uh, Jamie Dennison showed me some stuff. Corey Dryer, you, you hit those guys up when you see them out on the water, man. They're, they're free with information. They're they're great people and and they'll they'll help you out. They'll hook you up. I've learned a lot. Ron Champion, man, he's he's great with le- electronics. You know, I I cornered him at the national championship one year and just and he just and he took the time to tell me, you know. And it's people like that that keep people in the sport man you know they, they help grow the sport by by being that way and we need we need them we're lucky to have them on oh, the kayak community's great yeah. sports, man like we were talking I, earlier everybody will help you out <laughs> yeah i love it man i love it it's one of the it's one of the the best things about it is the guys that are in it man i, I i've not met anybody i didn't like it <laughs> i like them all
0: yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of good dudes man um yeah. So out of Saturday and Sunday, obviously it's a two day event. Uh, yep. what, what, what was your better day?
1: Actually, I think the first day was my best day and it wasn't because, uh, I had more inches. Uh, it was because the fish seemed to come a little easier. Uh, I caught a, a few more fish that day. I think they were, the bite was on a little better. Uh, the second day about ten thirty, I had some phone problems. Uh, I went to, uh, I just had caught my fifth fish at about ten thirty and I had my limit and when I put that fish in my my phone charge went from eighty percent to forty four percent. Oh wow. Yeah, so I was afraid that if I left my phone on and running I couldn't find anything running that that would be dragging it down, so I thought maybe my battery is going going out on me or something. Yeah. So I actually had to turn my phone off and just take pictures of the fish I caught. So I was sitting at 158 inches total at the, on, in the morning there. And, of course, my wife, she's going crazy for the rest of the day because she wa- she follows the leaderboard, and I wasn't putting any fish in. But it was because I wasn't sandbagging. It was because I was afraid to turn my phone on because it was going to sap all the juice out of it. So I had to wait until the end of the day to put my fish in, and I had 158 inches, and I was, at that point, I think I was about an inch Behind an inch and a quarter, uh, an inch and a quarter behind the leader, and but when I went ahead and put my fish in, I upgraded eleven inches. So <laughs> nice, yeah. So it, it worked. A big out. Eleven that's inches. Big so, yeah, that's a big difference. So I, I did turn my phone back on when I was going back to the ramp, and uh, I'd seen where my wife had texted me, and she texts me through the day all the time, telling me where I'm at because I won't look at the leaderboard, <laughs> and. Uh, i just like i want to fish but she'll text me and tell me to keep grinding and uh she tells me get that monkey off your back get that five fish limit you know she's my cheerleader you know but uh but i love it when she does that you know because it it keeps me going but i'd seen where she texted me and i I texted her and i told her i said my phone's been down i've got five five more inches in the bag here that i'm getting ready to put in so don't worry but, uh, she was, she was on pins and needles until then. So.
0: <laughs> Sounds like she's real supportive of you,
1: man. I, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm on, I'm on the water. I mean, for the last three years, this year I took uh, a little time off cause I had some stuff to do here at the, at the gallery. I'm also an artist and, oh, uh, really? yeah, we run a, we run a nonprofit gallery. It's called Gary Bowling's house of art. And, uh, what we are is we're we're kind of a springboard for Appalachian artists. Uh, there's a lot of talent in this area that that never really gets to go out and display their work, so we we kind of help them out with a place to display their work and we show them how to market themselves and and how to get into shows and and we give a few uh, classes, you know drawing classes, art classes and, and stuff like that. And we're a nonprofit, and uh, but that's you know we're very community oriented and and that's what I do when I'm not fishing. But we have a building that we're trying to get renovated, and uh, so I took a couple months off and 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 just concentrated on this. And it, you know, I, I missed a lot of tournaments during that time. Mm. But uh, I'm usually on the water, you know, 250 days a year. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a job. So if you if you're working a job, and you're on you're on your job yeah. about the same amount kind of time. So. You know, it's it it works out, but without her support, dude, I couldn't do what I do. I mean, we we love each other and we support each other in whatever whatever we're doing. But just knowing that she's there and she is supporting me, doing what I do, is just it makes it all. There's no way I could do it without it. Wow, man, that's incredible. Do you have any kids? We are empty nesters. We have oh, three okay. Kids. <laughs> and, yeah, believe me, that helps. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got more
0: money. <laughs> That's right. I got a little girl, man. She sucks every dime out of my wallet.
1: <laughs>
0: I know, man. Believe me, I feel your pain, brother. I've been there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Two years old, man. and she. Oh, you're just eats, getting started. Yeah, yeah, she's still young. I'm lo- I'm not looking forward to when she's a teenager and she expects in oh, no. her twenties every other day. Oh, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, I remember those years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've kicked a few boyfriends out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna go through that too.
0: Yeah. Well, I got a shotgun. I keep it clean. <laughs> so did I. I <laughs> keep it loaded. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's Somebody cool. gonna mess with my little angel. They're liable to get some buckshot. You know, that's right. uh, so agree. uh you mentioned your phone going dead uh yeah. and i bet you that was uh the temperature because i notice um when it's really cold my battery would die because i work uh downtown cincinnati i'm a groundskeeper so uh mm-hmm. i work out in the snow all day like last few days we've got a little bit of snow and ice and that's all i've done i've been outside taking care of ice and man my phone will die quick really? uh do you ever use anything to charge your phone out there on
1: the kayak you know, uh, usually, uh, I have a Torquedo battery, uh, for my Torquedos that, I, that I actually put in my hatch and, uh, because I, I knew I was having some problems previously and I didn't think about it being a code but you know, that thanks for telling me that I'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. But, uh, and I have a, uh, an adapter that goes into the charging port and I can actually charge my phone off of that.
0: good. Oh, yeah.
1: uh, and I remember, Put it in the hatch, but I didn't remember the cord.
0: Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man,
1: you still came out on top, man. It didn't stop you. <laughs> yeah. It worked out, didn't it? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, it was just a man, it, you know, there's some days when you, you know, you're just doing the right thing. And those days are far and few between. And, and I was just really blessed that day to, to, to actually hit it for once on the head and know that what I was doing was the right thing and 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 man, you're talking about a confidence booster. I mean, every cast you're waiting for that bite because you know that you're doing the right thing and there's 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 no other feeling like that. Uh, I mean, in the fishing world, I mean, just knowing, you know, having that confidence, knowing you got the right bait, knowing you're in the right area, you know, and knowing that you're using the bait in the right way is is a rare thing. And man, when it happens, it's bliss, you know.
0: Oh yeah, confidence, man. it, oh, it yeah. makes winners. Yes, and you yes, notice yes. all the guys that really really succeed at these tournaments are all real confident guys. Yes. I and I can tell by talking to you that you're very confident, man. That's a good thing in this industry, man, in this sport. Yeah. 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 Um what typical uh what rods and reels do you typically use? And uh what do you usually throw at tournaments? I know you said you like to throw that
1: jackhammer. I do. Uh Right now, I've got kind of a mixed mash of rods and reels. I, I'm trying to settle in on on uh, on some rods and, and reels that uh, I'm trying to. I just try a little bit of everything right now. So, but so far, right now, I'm, I'm fishing two different types, two kinds of reels. I'm fishing the 13 fishing reels. I got the Z, I got a Concept uh, uh, C and, and an A, and uh, and I carry a lot of loose look for my backups and, and I, that day I was throwing a lose tournament MB, uh, with a, uh, seven, seven, three to one, uh, retrieve on 14 pound test and, uh, a seven foot three muse black 13 fishing rod. And, uh, that, that seems to be about my favorite, uh, setup for the jackhammer. And, but you know, I have a jig rod. It's a cash in, mm. uh, man, that rod, i tell you, I was really surprised it's not a really high upper end rod not a real expensive rod but man I have flat jerked some fish out of some heavy cover with that thing and it's it's a heavy rod that I use for my jig rod and I'm really impressed with with the caching brand Uh, but they all make good rods Uh, I just I'm trying to find a company that makes an excellent rod for everything and I mean St. Croix man they're they're a good company they make some good rods uh, I'm thinking about just jumping in and buying a couple of those rods and giving them a, a, a whirl. I had a couple of Saint Croix years ago and I really liked them. And uh, I went out on this journey to try to find different rods, you know, that I would like that was a little more affordable. But I'm thinking about, you know, going back to Saint Croix and and using their rods. And at, at this point, it's it's probably going to be Lou's and, and Saint Croix. Now my buddy Kurt Smith, uh you probably like heard him. Kurt, man, you're right there in his hometown, man. Yeah. I love Kurt, man. Kurt's a great guy, dude. I, I really like Kurt. He's been on the podcast three times. <laughs> yes, he, oh man, good for him. He's That's a regular
0: awesome. on the Yak Legion, man. Oh man, I, I love Kurt Smith, man. Tell him hey. I said how you see
1: him before I do.
0: Yeah, I'll see him this Saturday. He's gonna host a seminar down there at Strictly Sail on kayak nice and uh man he's all over the stripey fish right now man
1: he's telling me he said man it's almost stripe season it's almost stripe season he said i'm I'm getting ready to get i'm get out there and get them i said he loves it doesn't he oh yeah he's been getting them
0: man he he posted a video this morning on his facebook uh he's catching some nice ones out there man cool but but he uses the st croix st croix rods and uh he's i think he's sponsored by him and, um, yes. man, he swears up and down by him. I, I hadn't been able to buy one yet, but it's on my list. I definitely want to check out the brand.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely want to get back into them, I think. And uh, Jamie Dennison also, man, he, he uses St. Croix, and, and he has nothing but good to say about him. He loves them. Uh, yeah. and he let me borrow a rod on this tournament, and uh, it's it's a, it was a nice rod. I mean, it was an app for an Alabama rig. I ended up not throwing an Alabama rig during the tournament. Uh, just because I was already on a confidence confidence bait, yeah, uh, I was catching fish. I had no need to throw an Alabama rig because I was, I was catching fish. So, but uh, yeah, and I was looking at the rod, man, and it was one of the Legend Elites, which is like a four hundred dollar rod, which I can't afford that. But well, maybe I can get and one. He can now. I can now, can't now. <laughs> I? Can't now, can I? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're they're really well built and nice rods. Yeah, I've never heard anything bad about them. I haven't either, man. You know, you hear a lot of stuff about, you know, eyes coming out and, and stuff on other rods, and you hear horror stories about some of these rod companies, and, and but I've never heard anything. They're a solid company.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I believe in 100%. Man, I need to get me one bad. <laughs> so I, I got that question question for you now you you know you're you're professional fisherman right uh you travel all over the country doing this stuff now somebody that's looking to get into it like like mm -hmm. me for example or just a guy in my situation where i fish normally uh my state you know
1: my state trails that's a great place to start yes
0: yeah i was going to ask you what's your best advice for uh somebody that's getting into wants to expand out of their state trails and start oh, okay. fishing the big stuff man and become a professional
1: angler man I, you know what i suggest is is as pick one good show up tournament and and go and just you know one one that you think that you're going to that suits your type of fishing like uh like if you say well i like to fish grass so i'm going to fish Gunnersville. try to find a, a a good tournament uh if it, uh KBF or or uh, BOS like you with the Gunnersville. Or yeah. Find one of those tournaments and fish it and test your metal. But in between that, I tell you, man, I, I suggest doing some online tournaments too because what happens when you do the online tournaments uh, through KBF is you can still travel to to areas and fish those areas uh, like you're fishing. It's like it's almost like practicing, you know. Yeah. And you have all months to get your fish in. But all the time that you're doing that, you're learning a lot. You're learning a lot. So I, I'm a big fan of doing some of the monthly tournaments and picking one or two good show-up tournaments. And if and, and you can kind of tell if if uh, if you're ready to kind of jump out into the uh, running the trail circuit or something like that because it's yeah. a commitment. It, it is. If you decide that you're really going to go hard nose and go into it you're going to fish you know 10 or 11 trails i mean you want to know you want a little bit of confidence going in so uh there's no way to figure it out or find out unless you get out there and do it so i I suggest doing some online stuff and and learning uh learning how to fish grass go to go travel somewhere else learn how to fish rock banks uh fish rivers you know and then pick a pick a couple good trails that you think that you might do good in, and yeah, go and, and and just give it a give it a try. You know, if you finish, I'm gonna tell you, don't get discouraged if, if you know if you enter a an 80 person tournament and you come in 30th, because that's still good. Yeah, you I mean, still be over half the, the field. Yeah, I mean, don't get discouraged over that because when you start going to those those bigger tournaments, you start doing the trail tournaments the information that you're getting from, from these guys that are winning these tournaments is priceless. And that will carry you through to, a, to the next tournament and then to the next tournament and then to the next tournament. And when you put yourself on the water with these guys that like Cody Milton and Jason Broach and Corey Dreyer and Jamie Dennison, uh, you know, Kurt Schmitz, uh, Dwayne Taft. I mean, when you put your water, put yourself on the water with these guys, it's only going to make you a better angler. So,
0: 100 percent. So,
1: yeah. So make sure that you get out there, talk to these guys, watch what they're doing. You know, listen to them when, when they're at, uh, up there speaking at the the podium when they're after they've won or placed high, and listen to what they're saying, and and take that knowledge and, and learn it. You know. So on the water, being on the water is the best experience of all.
0: Oh, 100%, man. You, you're you not going to learn how to fish sitting on the couch watching YouTube
1: videos. <laughs> Amen, brother. That's it. That's it. I mean, you can you can watch those videos all you want to, but there's nothing like being on the water.
0: Oh, 100%. So. That's why I like the podcast thing, man. You can listen to the podcast on the way to the lake. You listen to it on the way back. You're learning a few yeah. trips. You know, you get out there on the water. It's like, man, I heard Zach and, Zach yeah. and Jody talking about the jackhammer, man. I'm going to throw that jackhammer today
1: yeah Um, yeah
0: there's a lot of good information but nothing beats time on the water just getting out there casting and practicing and putting some your time in. absolutely right absolutely Absolutely. man so i know you mentioned you uh you like to throw jigs what jigs do you throw
1: man i have a few a few favorite jigs that i throw of course i'm kind of like gerald swindle i only have a few colors that i that i really like you know i always keep a black and blue with me and uh I, I use the the, the Reaction Innovations uh, Kinky Beaver a lot in the spring because it's a, it's a pretty good size jig, and uh, and uh, that time of the year they're they're looking to feed up good before the spawn and stuff. You know, early in the year, um, I use a lot of green pumpkin. And the Reaction Innovations also has a a color called Donkey Punch, and man, that thing is just it's amazing. But I use them on a a uh, a swing head a Jean Larue swing head jig. Okay. And uh what they are is it's the football jigs and they got a regular 3 or 4 odd hook on them and uh you basically they're basically a Carolina rig you know you just rig your 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 Tinky Beaver or whatever you're using a biffle bug or something like that on them and they do real good and and they're they're made to be swam across the bottom a little bit but I use them just like a regular jig Oh wow they do real well I like that uh, name, the, Kinky Beaver. I know, I, <laughs> My wife laughs every time I say that. Yeah. I can't believe that's what that's called. <laughs> There's some funny that, that stuff. Has a, a, that has some weird connotations to it, you know? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. i get <laughs> dirty-minded stuff off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh man justice jig makes a good one there's a lot of good jig companies out there double d jigs are some great jigs there's some hand tied jigs that i I, i'm not sure they might be local to where i'm at but uh uh they make some great jigs Uh, as it get water gets colder where i'm from we kind of mix a rubber and a hair jig together you know in 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 early winter around here because the smallmouth, you know that's what we go for around here they tend to do a little better and just work it slower Uh, yeah, and the uh, you know the the Biffle bug is also a great one. The Rage bug, man, Strike King, God, man, I've caught so many fish off that thing. I've used uh, those before. Oh man, they're 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 great bait. But I usually use them. Uh, I'll just I'll take a uh, bobber stop and pick about an eighth ounce sinker on them and use a three yard hook in them. Uh, and and you can drop them and brush. You can run them across the bottom, and you can do what you want to with them, and they'll, they'll get into the places where they hide too uh punch rigs you know if i'm fishing heavy hydrilla uh pads or something like that i'll i'll use a a punch rig you know use a three quarter ounce tungsten and uh again i'll just put a bobber stop on it on on the on the line there and use a three or four odd hook according to my bait size and i'll punch with that one thing that i learned this year i was down on lake jackson and uh i caught my personal best down there in february this year it was it was 10 pounds and eight ounces and i was taking a a jackhammer and running it through these pads and i just i just wanted to try it and it actually fishes well in pads you just throw it out and if you can hit a hole in between those pads and let it sink a little bit it just runs around the edges of those pads man and it'll come right through them i mean you'll get snagged up some but Man, dude, I, I was really surprised you could use that bait in that, that type of area, you know. So, it's, it's the jackhammer is a versatile bait.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I, there's a lot of fish caught on a jackhammer. They're expensive, and I yeah. hate to lose one. I hate to lose $20 <laughs> freaking chatterbait. But
1: You know what, man? The thing I like about using the 3.8s is most of the time when you're fishing shallow enough water you can get them back. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, they're up at the lacrosse. The I was actually jigging up there, with I was I throw it out and let it sink in the grass, and just give it a big jerk and it'd come up out of the grass and then I just keep my line tight and it just go right back down real slow and then hide in the grass and then I would jerk it up again and they were busted. So there's the versatility of that bait is crazy. I mean, you can use it a lot of different ways. Oh
0: wow, great. I, now I know that lacrosse La it was kind of warm. It's like in the nineties,
1: wasn't it? I mean, the water the water was hot. Uh, well, it was a. They had a, a two different tournaments up there. The first one was, yeah, it was a little hot up in there, but when I was up there, uh, it was actually cold and rainy. Oh, wow. And the water was up 11 feet. Dang. Yeah, it was it was a minor flood. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. And some of the locals up there that I talked to uh, had said that they had never seen the water levels that high in, in October before. Uh, wow. But all it did, you know, when, don't let that stuff discourage you. You know, when the water gets up and muddy like that, the bass actually are pretty predictable. I mean, you just got to find the place where they're going to, but they're like us, you know, if your water gets muddy and if you turn out the lights, you first thing you do is go to a wall and and you just orient yourself. Fish are the same way. They, They like to be oriented to something. They like to know where they're at. So they'll pull up tight to a log, a grass pile, a rock hump, and they'll just hang real tight to it. So, you know, there's not much open water fishing in muddy water. You just find the banks and fish tight to them. Those spinner baits, jackhammers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I
0: got I got really good. I got a lot better this year at fishing muddy water, especially mm-hmm. in the spring. We had a lot of floods. We had a lot of. I mean, Ohio, man, all our lakes are brown. They're I all know, they I all look know. like Yoo-hoo. um so you get used to used to fish in the muddy water because usually the fish are right on structure. You know, yeah. I've said this before on the podcast, but they're just like uh, when you walk into a room, right, and it's pitch black. There's no right. lights on, man. What right. are you doing? You're grabbing that wall. You've got the right. hand on the wall, and you're right. trying to feel your way around the room. And that's what the bass do, too, man, because they can't see through that muddy water. That's right. And
1: that's, so they're that's sitting the there with that hand right on the wall. Dude, that's that's when you have an advantage because that's when their lateral lines kick in. They're yeah. they're not really relying on eyesight, so the the color or, or the type of bait. I mean, you throw dark baits in it, but I mean, it doesn't really matter as much because they're they're going off of reaction. And then they they hear something or feel something. That lateral line picks up something. They're just going to strike at it. Yeah. You know. So it kind of I mean, I'd rather fish in you know stained water. I mean, this this last tournament that I won was in stained water. I I was I kind of right at home there.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just like the daredevil, man. He's blind, but all his other senses are uh, are heightened.
1: That's right. And that's
0: the same thing with the bass, man. They can't same see, thing. so they're going off vibration off their lateral line. That's right. And, on and the they sense
1: still got to smell. Eat. That's right. And they still got to eat, you know. Yeah. They still got to eat. So.
0: Now, I'll tell you something that discourages me. What? And uh, probably discourages a lot of people is fishing cold water. And I was yeah. going to ask you about how how you change your style of fishing going from the warmer climates to cold like it is right now, like 20-degree nights, man. And I know you mentioned earlier you found water that was up, what, 57 degrees? So you yeah. found that warmer water. But yeah. it seems like, man, I've, I've fished in the wintertime for bass. And a lot of times I'll switch over to saw guy or sauger or something because they bite a little better in the wintertime. But man, some of the ponds, some of the fish, uh, the lakes I fish, they just seem completely dead in the wintertime. Yeah, and it seems like I slow my presentation down and I slow my retrieve down, but I still struggle to catch fish. You have you any advice know, on that? A,
1: a lot of that is is location, 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 man. I mean, when the water gets cold, the bass tend to group up. Uh, they they're still going to eat. The bites are going to be a lot more subtle. Uh, I usually will downsize and, and I will work real slow. Uh, you can take a drop shot in the winter time and use your electronics, fi- find a brush pile or some kind of cover on the bottom and drop a drop shot in it and it's just like this all day. You know, just <laughs> just got to be real slow with them. One thing I found out, uh, found in the winter time is is if you're fishing deep water for, the, for these bass is it takes a while sometimes to get them activated but when they if you get one to bite a lot of times you'll catch two or three and then they'll slack off again you won't get another bite for a while but then you'll catch another one and you'll catch two or three so you it's it's persistence you know you you got to find the fish first and then you you got to stay on top of them like i say downside i use smaller baits usually in the winter time uh i'll use i'll throw a uh, a regular grub, you know, a, th- a two or three inch grub in the winter time. Sometimes, you know, and just yeah. real slow, bounce it off the bottom, and and, and catch fish that way. Uh, blade baits in the wintertime time. Uh, find your deep hole, you know, wh- where the fish are, where structure and cover are present, and just jig a blade, a blade bait. They become good good winter time uh, uh, presentations. Uh, if you're in an area where you have a lot of feeder streams, you, you get a little warm up. Uh, those streams will warm up first in the, you know, in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. You get a little water running into a lake or a river. Uh, I like to fish creek mouse in, in the river during the wintertime because they're just a little bit warmer usually uh, because they're shallow and they and they run in. So, I mean, those, those are some of the things I look for when, when I'm dealing with cold water. Where I'm from... Uh, when the water is 40 to 45 degrees you can usually you don't catch many but man you can bust some big smallmouth when the temperatures are the water temperatures are down in that area wow. you have to cut a lot of territory sometimes but man if you can find some studs and they'll hit you know when the water's cold like that
0: yeah that's definitely something i'm going to practice this this season uh like i told you before the podcast where i uh, just got proof for a mortgage trying to buy a house my wife's been dragging me all over the place looking at looking at houses <laughs> i bet she's excited oh yeah yeah we're yeah. excited to get out of here man and move that's into awesome. something i'm happy uh, now i mentioned you mentioned earlier that you started off with a Kusa jackson Kusa. uh what made you switch to the bona fide and how do you like the bona fide
1: Oh man, I love the bona fide. Uh, you know, I, I did start out with the Kusa, Uh and the Kusa was still to this day, there's there's two boats that stick out in my mind as being the best river boats. That I, and that's the reason why I, I got into the Kusa because I, I needed something for the river. It was before I started fishing the lakes and, and really starting to fish the, the, uh, the tournaments. Uh, to this day, I think that the best river boats that I've been in is, is the, the bona fide, uh, the, the, uh, RS 117 uh-huh. and, and that little Kusa. I mean, those two boats, the thing I like about the the 117 is the bona fide RS 117 is it's, it's more stable. Yeah. Uh, I can stand up in that boat fairly easy. I mean, I was standing up in the Kusa, but it was, you had to, you had to stay on your, on your game, but the, uh, now when i started fishing the lakes uh that's when i needed a little bigger boat so i I actually went to an atac 120 i had it for a while it was really hard to paddle for me but it was a it was a great boat too and then i went to the 140 and i still miss my 140 man that that, that's a great boat Uh, the only thing i didn't like about the 140 was it was it was kind of wet in the winter time You, you know you get some some waves coming over the gunnels if you were in a lake and you had boats running Mm -hmm. uh so it was kind of a wet wet ride but man what what a great boat that was and it's a fast boat to to be the size it is uh but the 117 or the 127 it kind of takes it it lessens all the problems that you had with all the other boats that i had it it actually maneuvers well you know well enough and uh, uh it has the accessibility and rigability of that boat is is amazing i mean uh, I've got uh, right, I put a I put a torpedo on mine. I've got my controller. There's two big bars that come off on the front of the seat, and I put my controller on that bar. And it's everything is right here at my fingertips. You know, I got my throttle here. I got my fish finder here in the middle. Uh, it, it's just the accessibility of everything you need to fish with on that boat, and the seats are just way comfortable. A big thing I like about the Bonafide 2 is the seat height. You're getting a lot of these clear streams like where I live here, and the clear lakes. Yeah. Uh, Standing up can be kind of iffy because it spooks a lot of fish, but the seat height is such on the Bonafide 127 where you can actually do some some sight fishing without spooking those fish without standing up, and I like that. I like that real well. Uh, now
0: I heard these seats on the Bonafide were like the most comfortable
1: kayak seats in the industry. Oh, they are, dude. I mean, bar none, I mean, <coughs> keep the straps tight. You know, uh, figure out what what your comfort zone is on them. You know, you can loosen the straps and 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 be a little relax the backs on them a little bit if that's that's what you want to do. If you need some lumbar support, the straps on it just tighten them up a little bit. Uh, they're great seats, man. Yeah, that's probably the most comfortable seat I've been in is, is, is bona fide seats
0: oh nice, I'm on a Hobie PA-12 and I me being a bigger guy and uh, I love the stability in that boat awesome. uh, but my co-host uh, like I told you before the podcast he's in a bona fide, he's in um the Black Widow, he just got the Black Widow and right. he's
1: excited to get that thing out on the water
0: nice. man, that thing looks heavy metal man, oh,
1: man <laughs> it? oh god man, that thing is, it's a creature dude, that thing is bad man it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah I rock, man. Hobie makes a good boat too. Yeah, that PA twelve is a great boat. You could actually take that that PA twelve in, in, into the, some of the rivers too. I mean, it it yeah. actually is okay in the river. Uh, but they're yeah, Hobie makes a great boat too. Their drives, I think, is is they they've got the drive. Oh
0: know? yeah, the
1: Mirage the, drive. Oh yeah, man, that drive is just – it's awesome. They they are the the industry uh, bar, you know, for for the for the drives. I mean
0: especially um the new 360 drive they got man uh, and yeah. you can move that kayak you can't even move bass boats like that you know you can drift
1: in. yeah yeah positioning you know when they they come out with that 360 I think positioning is is I mean we all know how positioning is is, is important I mean getting the right angles uh and that just man it, I, it does away with the need for uh, a lot of, in a lot of places it does away for the need for an anchor you know, if, if you're fishing light wind, you know, and, and something like that, you don't even have to drop an anchor, man. You just use that to position yourself in, with it. Yeah, they're great boats.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah, Bonafide and Hobie, man, they're awesome. Yes. Hi, my oh. buddy Brad, um, he's on the uh, Bonafide team, mm-hmm. and uh, he really likes their boats, man, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely impressed with him.
1: Yeah, I'm on the Bonafide team.
0: Are you? Awesome, yes. man. Yeah, I was going to yes. ask you um, at the end of the podcast about your sponsors, but before that um, – There's something I ask all my guests, and it's uh, it's a fishing story. It could be sad. It could be be happy. It could be funny. It could be tragic. You got one for us.
1: I got a good one for you. (laughs) So I told you earlier that I was an artist, right? Yeah. Well, my wife and I, I used to run up and down the coast, you know, mostly in Florida in the wintertime doing art shows. And of course, being a fisherman, I always, I drug my little Cusa along with me everywhere I went, you know, because I mean, in Florida, if you see a lake, you're like, ah, yeah, I got to fish that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was doing a, I was doing an art show down in Okeechobee, the city, the little town of Okeechobee there. And, uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm doing this art show. I'm this close. I'm I'm 12 miles from Okeechobee. I'm going to Okeechobee. I've never fished it as my, you know, growing up, that's all you hear, Okeechobee, Okeechobee. Oh yeah. So, so I wanted to go to Okeechobee. Well, after the art show was, was over with and we got packed up and uh, I drove down to a launch about midway down the lake there. I can't remember the name of it, but I launched and I pulled out to the main lake from the launch and I, I paddled probably, I don't know, maybe a half a mile, three quarters of a mile. And I come into an area that was it looked great, had grass and hydrilla and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, so I just put my paddle down and I kind of coasted into this area and I stopped I just let it coast to a stop and I cast it and as soon as my I was fishing with a jig and when as soon as my fish hit the hit the or my jig hit the water a 12-foot gator came out and oh, grabbed my kayak and his nose went underneath the seat that I had my seat in the high position on that boat and if I had it in a low position he have clamped down on my leg Whoa. So his nose went under my seat, and he clamped onto my boat. And he tried to turn. You know, they do that death roll thing. Yeah. He tried to turn me, but he hit me perfectly sideways. And he couldn't He couldn't turn me. And I had to, I'll never forget, I had a bending branches paddle. And where I used it in the river a lot, it had a lot of gnarly edge on it, you know, and it was real sharp. And I tried to push him off of me, and I couldn't push him off of me. And I just kind of slid the paddle across his his eye, and it busted his eye open. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, and it gunked out. And when I did that, he turned loose of me. And when he turned loose of me, of course, you know what I did. I just, I paddled for all I had, man. I out there like a bat out of hell, dude. Oh, man, dude. I was, I was, I didn't even have my line reeled in. My jig was still sitting out there when I turned. And when I turned around to see if he was still chasing me, he chased me for about 40 yards. My jig was hitting about every five feet. <laughs> a half ounce jig, it was just hitting every about every five feet. I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> but I got back to the ramp, and my wife saw me pull into the ramp, and she she thought that I had caught a big one. And I wanted I wanted to get the camera. She was walking over over to the man. I just I yelled at her and I said, "Get the van, bring it over here. I'm done." <laughs> yeah and yeah yeah so i pulled out and loaded up and that was my okeechobee experience
0: whoa you just won no other story will top that i don't think man. <laughs> no other story to top. i've never heard of somebody <laughs> being attacked by an alligator kayak you could have been killed man
1: oh yeah i called the fwc down there and re- reported the attack and uh you know i was surprised to learn that 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 they'd had like two or three other incidences, but none of them had actually gone that far. They they'd bump the kayak, or they'd try to run them out of an area or something. But that was that was a har- harrowing experience. And yeah. for a couple years after that, you know, when you stop in the gas stations down there and and the little uh, uh, tourist traps and stuff, they got these alligator heads that you can buy. You know, I had one as a I, kid. <laughs> yeah, so I kept one on the front of my my kayak <laughs> a couple years and i was fishing the 10 down in the uh the anvil one year and chad hoover he come up to me he said man why you got that why you got that gator head on your on your kayak and i said man it's voodoo i said i'm lucky to be alive and I, I you know i figure if i put the head of one on there it's like a scarecrow maybe it'll just keep them away you know <laughs> but uh, when he asked me why i told him that story and he said man i got to get that on tape so if you go back and watch pull up chad hoover and, and watch the the i think it's the first 10 he, he's got me on film telling that story wow yeah yeah so, I mean, you just crazy.
0: you just won you just won man you just won my story my, <laughs> my story question because i ask all my guests like what's your craziest <laughs> freaking kayak story that is the craziest <laughs> kayak story i've ever heard man <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, it was. I mean, I, when that thing come out, dude, I, I stopped right on top of him. That's all. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, he didn't chase me off the bank and come out and get me. I must. He must have sunk down before I got there and was laying on the bottom. And when I stopped, I had to stop right on top of him, because just as soon as that thing stopped, he was there. He come out of the water, and it was a big gator, dude. I how mean, how long was, do you think he was? Oh, he was 12, 11, 12 feet.
0: Yeah, he had to have been big if he was attacking your kayak,
1: man. Yeah, he was. He was bigger than my kayak. Yeah. Man, a
0: twelve foot gator, dude. Yeah. I was
1: surprised he didn't flip your kayak. You'd well, have been done you know, then if he hadn't. If he hadn't have clamped down on it and tried to turn me end to end instead of clamping down on it and maybe just dragging himself off of it, that probably would have turned me over if he dragged himself off of it. But he didn't. He he grabbed it and tried to tried to spin me. And he couldn't do it. So when he rolled over like that, he was kind of bent over like that. I had access to his, his face, you know, and I just took that paddle, man, and just, I mean, it was black goo that come out when I when I rubbed that paddle across his eye, and I put everything I had in it, because I knew if I didn't hurt him or, because I couldn't shove him off of me. He was just, he clamped down too hard, you know, and I couldn't shove him off, and I knew if I didn't hurt him that I, I was going to be his play toy for a while, you know, so... <laughs> So yeah, when when that when that goot come out of his eyeball and he turned loose of me, buddy, I was gone. And he chased you for a while. Oh yeah, he still he he was he wasn't full force chasing me, but he was letting me know he was back there. You know, I was about forty yards. He swam behind me for about forty yards before I could get away from him.
0: Whoa, that's crazy, man!
1: <laughs> Holy
0: cow! Yeah, that scared I'm lucky to you. be here, man. Yeah, you are yeah i'm glad to be talking to you buddy yeah. i know man i'm glad you are too <laughs> jeez oh pete's man you just threw me off my whole podcast that's a crazy story man i don't even know what even what to even ask now <laughs> man that's something awesome That'd be crazy if you go out there again, to Okeechobee, and you got you you come across a one eye gator. Yeah,
1: got a big patch on his eye. Yeah, he looked like a like a pirate. He'd be coming after you again for vengeance. Yeah, he's like there. He is there. He is. Get him! I'll get you this time, buddy. Yeah. yeah. But it was just I was so lucky that that he just, his nose went under. I was lucky that I had my feet in the high position. Yeah. Cause if I had that seat in a low position it, on that on that little kusa, it puts you way down toward the bottom, and yeah. there's there would be no room. His nose, his upper jaw would have just come right down on top of my leg. There ain't there ain't no doubt in my mind.
0: Man, Damn, that's scary, dude. Now I've heard of people catching them on line, like on your fishing line, casting around and stuff. I never heard them attacking a kayak, man. That's yeah. crazy.
1: The funny thing about it is, dude. I I spent a lot of time in Florida, and I've actually. You know, around Destin and, and some of the creeks that run into the uh Hatchie Bay down there, uh, I've I've waded those creeks. I've, I've been around gators a lot, and I've never had a problem out of them. Uh, oh. When they get up around eight foot, that's when you kind of got to start giving them their space because they get real territorial sometimes. But I've come right by 10 and 11, 12 footers down there in the Alkawaha River around Rodman Reservoir down there, and I've never had a problem with them. Jeez. And but that but that day it was just it was it was the wrong gator at the wrong time. Man, man, yeah. <laughs> that I don't even know how to, where to go from here.
0: <laughs> that, that just blew me. You away, asked me man. for a story, I gave you one. Yeah, the uh, game definitely uh, won the yeah. story game. That's for sure. Um, so <laughs> so sponsors, man. Yeah, what sponsors? What pro staffs you got?
1: Oh man, I'm, I'm real picky about my sponsors. I don't have a whole lot of them, but I love the ones I have. I mean, I've I've had plenty of chances to go with other people, but like I say, I don't I don't endorse anything that I don't use. Uh, it's, I just don't think it's right to. Uh, I have uh, Bonafide kayaks, of course. Uh, uh, Luther Ciphers, man, great guy. I mean, he's been with me. I, I've paddled their uh, their uh, prototypes and. Uh, chad hoover come down and we did a show together down in, in uh in florida down there where we we went snook fishing and I, I got to paddle the prototype and i knew right then that was that was going to be the boat for me so uh, you know big shout out to luther cyphers and and, and the whole bona fide team down there uh, also i have uh fishing online which is an amazing amazing tackle company man uh, you know i've gotten stuff from a lot of different tackle companies you know had to order it online and stuff and sometimes it's five six days before i get them i've never had that happen to me with fishing online, man there uh you know you order it, you order it for two they got it in the mail and it's on its way to you i've never had a mix up in my order i've never had an order where they sent me the wrong thing Um, uh, at john Brian harley uh, great people great company they're a small company but man they have great selection of stuff just just good people uh, of course, Torquedo, uh, Jeff Little, and, and, and uh, Steve Turkla, who is the head of the Torquedo USA, are great great guys. Uh, they've been with me for almost since the beginning of this thing, and, and they support me well. Um, I have a, a yak attack, you know, if it snaps or or uh, uh, clicks or you put a paddle in it or anything, it's yak attack, man, you oh, yeah. know. that's just the way it is they they are the kings of the market man and they make great stuff and i'm I'm on their on their team uh also uh land cruiser restorations man i I know it's a that's a weird uh sponsor to have but man they they, what they do is they take these old land cruisers and they restore them and i got to talking to uh uh this james shepherd which is the owner of it they just they believe in what i'm doing you know and he's a fisherman and and uh He's helped me out quite a bit. Um, he actually had a uh, an 85 FJ shipped down to the uh, uh, national championship one year, and I drove it around down there. Man, they're beautiful. I mean, when they restore them, they put VET motors in them, and uh, you know V8 Vortec motors, and they, I mean, they they got every option on them that anything that you can buy new has got on it. They got backup cameras, they got you know tow packages, they got you know all the racks and brush cars and stuff. So they're they're a great company, and they've got they've got clients all over the world. Um, uh, and, and they helped me out, you know, uh, to get into some of the tournaments and stuff that, I, that I've been fishing great people. And that's, that's about all the sponsors I really have. Um, uh, I've had a few chances, you know, to go to other sponsors, but I didn't use their products. so I, you know, I told them, you know, if you send me your product and let me use it, you know, and, uh, but, but yeah, I keep it simple and, uh, I seem to be better off for it, you know, uh, you got to you kind of build have, your way. Build your you way. don't
0: have a whole lot of sponsors, but you have quality sponsors.
1: Quality sponsors, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, and you and you should be kind of picky. If you're getting into this sport, I mean, if you want to have a longevity in this sport, I think uh, you you get those good sponsors. You treat them well, they treat you well, and uh, it's it just looks good on you. You know, to have have sponsors that believe in you, mm-hmm. not sponsors that just want you to go out and sell stuff for them.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, and not just trying to, you know, get all the sponsorships you can. Just really focusing yeah. on the ones that you believe in, that you use yourself, and yeah. that's that's big importance, man, definitely. I,
1: I, I, yeah, yeah, that's the way to go.
0: But, uh, man, I'm still stuck on that alligator. <laughs> I can't believe that happened.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy, yeah.
0: Now, I've heard a beaver's attacking. you ever have a beaver? Any problem with beavers? I've come across some beavers Besides I thought kinky were going beavers? to attack me, dude. I'm going to tell you
1: something. Yeah, they're kinky beavers. The kinky ones I ain't worried about, you know. It's the angry beavers that I get worried about.
0: Yeah, they're the mean ones. They got some chompers on them, don't they? Yeah, man. do. Imagine one
1: of them things getting a hold of you. Oh, man. But, uh I've seen them get mad. I get, you know, when they got young, you get too close to their huts and stuff. Uh, I've been yeah. white fishing on the Greenbrier River down here and had a little run in with one, but it, it 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 left me alone, and I got out of the area. So, yeah, I mean, they're kind of scary, man. I've seen some big beavers.
0: Yeah, well, you seen that video a couple of years ago, the kayakers going down the river. I forget where it was, and the beaver was attacking them, and they were fighting that beaver off. I've seen the that, dude. That, they had to kill that thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was scary, yeah, man.
1: man. <laughs> You don't want one of them things coming after you, man. Oh, they
0: cut down trees, man. Imagine what That's they do right. to your leg. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know, man. Bees,
1: man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. You got you got good character to you, man.
1: Thanks, man. I, you know, I have I have a great time, man. I'm just I'm happy to be here. I, I appreciate uh, the invitation to come on. I really do, and it's it's nice meeting you too, man. I you know I know you're on my friends list, and I've seen your name before, and uh. Mm-hmm. I didn't get get a chance to talk to you down at the Gunnersville, but this is good enough, and I I really appreciate it, man. It's nice to meet you.
0: Well, man, you'll see me at more Hobie Basso this year, and I'll be sure to walk up and introduce myself
1: and definitely shake the hand of the champion, man. Oh, man, (laughs) I appreciate that, man, and and I look forward to it. I really do. I, I look forward to seeing you out. Well, awesome, man, and congratulations again.
0: Now, for everybody that didn't know, um, I have a little list of the top three winners. Um, of course, you came out at number one. Then when we had uh, Matthew Scotch, uh, mm-hmm. he came yep. in at uh, second place. He won 5000 yep. And then uh, Coach stick. Milton at number three, yep. and he won uh, 3500 man. All yeah. three of you guys rocked it, man.
1: Oh man, I tell you, those those guys are great sticks too, man, and, and and very likable guys, and and free with information. Cody's a great guy, Matthew, man, I just, uh, just it was great to be able to fish with them, man. It was, they're good guys.
0: Oh man, that's
1: awesome, dude.
0: I'd like to meet them guys too, man. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll catch will. up, uh, get a beer sometime,
1: maybe after a Hobie Bass yeah man sounds awesome I'll, I'll tell you my gator tale again oh no yeah. next time i see you i'll tell you when i got bit by a copperhead uh, now now hold on hold no on. no no that's next time dude oh
0: man you don't want to tell that story uh-uh. nope that's next time <laughs> <laughs> now you got me wanting to hear the copperhead story man uh, maybe i'll have you on the show again you can tell that maybe you just tell it to me in person man i have to share that
1: podcast <laughs> I look forward to the chance. Man, man. you got critters are attacking you left and right, man. It, man. How are you
0: still alive?
1: Well, I don't know, man. Worst to my favor, nobody fishes around me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I'm I got kind the whole fish around you now, man. I got, got the bears whole bears coming out and attacking us or something, you
1: know. <laughs> I got two bears in the river too, by the way. Oh, have you been attacked by a bear too? <laughs> no, but I've I've jumped them off the grass beds before. I didn't know they were there. I pulled my kayak right up along this year. Robert Lane, he was he was fishing about seventy five yards below me, and I got a picture of it. But I jumped that bear. It jumped up off air, scared me. I scared him, and he scared me, and he took off. And holy crap, yeah, that's happened twice. Dang, I know, man. I love it. I, when you're on the water as much as I do. I am. Yeah. It's bound to happen. Something you're you're going to run into something sometime yeah so it's Jesus okay man. man part of life, <laughs> part well, of life all right the- buddy i
0: appreciate <laughs> it man <laughs> all right man love you brother have a good one man yes sir and everybody listening thanks for listening to the show man this is a great podcast great conversation with jody queen congratulations again buddy thank you all for listening thanks, sir.